Well, good morning and welcome to Better Life Church. We want to welcome you. Thank you so much for taking time to worship with us on this gorgeous, awesome Sunday morning. And I want to welcome Better Life Church. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being part of what God is doing in this region. But we have something very special today is that we have Emmanuel Baptist Church from Corbin, Kentucky. Come on. They are with us this morning celebrating, doing this series. Can we give it up for them? We love you, Pastor Allen, and what you guys are doing there in Corbin and in Williamsburg and in Richmond. We have people, listen, all the way from all the way from Williamsburg, Kentucky to Grayson, Kentucky and all in between this morning joining us today right here at Better Life Church and we are so thankful for our sister church. You know, Emmanuel Baptist Church has been such a blessing to me and in my, in my own personal life and how God has used them and Pastor Allen to shape me to be who I am today. I'm indebted to you guys at Emmanuel Baptist. I love you all. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. We also want to welcome everyone watching online across the world. Thank you so much for tuning in right here in Eastern Kentucky to see what God is up to. Speaking of that, last weekend was amazing. We had an incredible worship experience outdoors on our Easter weekend, Easter Sunday. And I'm telling you what, it was so much fun. We had such a blast. The creative team did an amazing job putting that together. And if you missed that, we'd love for you to go back and check it out. You know, we estimate between a Emmanuel Baptist Church and Better Life Church. I want you to hear this. We estimate based on the online reviews and based on what we're believing families were around watching together and the hits that we had from all over the country, literally all over the world, that there are over 10,000 people watched one of our services last weekend. Is that not amazing? Come on, man. That is amazing. Over 10,000 people were impacted through the ministry of Better Life Church and Emmanuel Baptist Church last weekend. Folks, that is incredible. Now, I want you to imagine this. There's no way at that time, at last weekend, most likely, we can't say no way. God can do something great, obviously, that probably 10,000 people would have showed up between both of our campuses and all of the campuses across Kentucky. However, last week, we had the power to influence over 10,000 people. And honestly, I believe that number is higher and greater, and God used it for His glory. We also saw people give their life to Jesus, which is amazing. Is that awesome? People's like, I don't know about that online church if it works. Well, you tell the people who gave their life to Jesus, who decided to follow Jesus because of the message broadcast and taken right to their iPad, their iPhone, their laptop, their TV, whatever it is that you may be watching it on. So we're just so thankful to see what King Jesus did last weekend. Now, Today we kick off a brand new series called The Way of Jesus, and I'm telling you what, I am so excited about this. We planned for this to be a three-week series, but I don't know, it may go longer, I don't know, because I'm really excited about what God is really doing in my own personal life, what He's teaching me, what He's showing me, and I just want to continue to share that also with you. So we have this brand new series called The Way of Jesus. Now, what in the world does that mean? Did you know that in the beginning of the church, when the church was birthed, that they were called the way, like we, we were called we, we were called the way way before, <laughs> we were called the way way before we were called Christians. We were called the way. In fact, Christians are not used but just a few times in the Bible, but the word disciple is used over and over and over. So what is a disciple of the way? Like who are the people 
of the way. And if that is what we were called, what was the way of Jesus? Or let's put it today, what is the way of Jesus today? And that's what we're going to do. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to take you on a journey about the ways of Jesus or the way of Jesus. Now, for that to happen, I have to set up this whole entire series with this message today. I have one point. It's at the end. It won't even be on the screen. And I have a lot of scripture I want to walk you through today. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 21. And I want you to wait right there because I have a lot of ground to cover in John chapter 21. And I want to take you on a journey, a journey personally in my own life, what the Lord has been doing and when this kind of really started. And it probably started way before that, but when I recognized what the Lord was up to. And the, the year of 2007, so 13 years ago, we were planning to launch Better Life Church. We were going to start a church. Now, I never started a church before in my life. Never read a book, How You Start a Church. I didn't even know you could start a church. I mean, this is crazy how that even happens. And a lot of the question at the time was, what's the vision for the church, the mission? What type of church do you want to be? And so one of the things that the Lord really impressed on my heart, you know, there's sometimes, you know, in the life that you just know the Lord is just doing something in your life. This was one of those moments. And the word follow me kept coming up over and over and over in my life. So I got a concordance out and I looked up every verse that had the word follow me in it. Pastor Adam, you know, he signed up to be part of what God was doing here in planting this church. He said, what, what, what do you want to do the mission of a church? I said, I don't know, but something about following Jesus. You know, not just making, you know, Christians, but making disciples. What does it really like to follow Jesus? Jesus didn't say, hey, come pray this prayer. Hey, come go to this church. Hey, come go to Sunday school. Hey, join this small group. Hey, drop a 20 in a bucket when it passes by you. Jesus said, follow me. How do we do that, Pastor Allen? How do we do that, Pastor Adam? How do we follow Jesus? And so that was one of the things that really hit me. So our mission was to help people who are far from God, Become a follower of Jesus Christ. And that was the mission. That was the statement. That's what we ran on for years and years and years. Fast forward to 2014. I still don't understand what it really means to follow Jesus. Now, you're just like, you're a pastor. You should figure this out. You should get this. But what does it really look like to follow Jesus? Is it about doing, taking next steps, right? We're all about taking next steps here at Bell Life Church. Is it about taking next steps? Like really, that, I mean, you mean if I show up on Sunday, if I read a five-minute devotion throughout the day, I mean, I'm following Jesus, right? Is that what it looks like to really, truly follow Jesus? In 2014, it really began to stir this affection in my heart. Is it more about becoming or doing? Because right now, it seems like, you know, discipleship is all about just doing. But what about becoming? Because you can do and not become. You can come to church and not love your wife any more than Christ loved the church, men. You can come to church, right? You can join a group. You can serve and still talk negative to your wife, still gossip behind people behind their back, still be greedy. So, so can you do and not become? Or is it you become and then all of a sudden you begin to do? Which one's first? So this begin to wrestle. This is my own journey and my own heart. In fact, we did a whole series called Follow back in 2014 because I was on this journey about really what does it look like to follow truly after Jesus. Not just do things, but become like him. But how do you do that? Like really, can you become like Jesus? I mean, he's perfect. He's sinless. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah. How am I to become like Jesus? His standard is too high. His bar is too high. I can't be like him. He's God. Yet I'm to become like him and to follow him. Fast forward to 2018. I'm still in this, you know, well, actually 2014. So let's go to 2015. Better Life Church pops up on the scene. And now we changed the format or kind of changed our, our statement to we really want to help people, what? Follow Jesus. Folks, following Jesus 
has been in the DNA of Better Life Church since the beginning. Help people follow Jesus so what they can what? So they can experience an abundant life, a full life, a better life than they've ever dreamed of. Fast forward now to 2018. I'm still figuring out how do you help people follow Jesus? How do we do this collectively? How do we do this now virtually? How do you do this? And what does it truly mean to follow Jesus? You would think by now you'd have it all figured out, right? Do you know the disciples walked with Jesus day and night for three years and they still didn't get it? In fact, Philip just said, if you just show us the Father, Jesus, we'll, we'll figure this all out. And he didn't understand that the Father and Jesus were one. If you've seen him, you've seen me, Jesus said. If you've seen me, you've seen him. But they didn't still, they didn't get it. Fast forward to 2018. I started diving into the first century context. I started diving into Jewish history, the Hebraic history, talking about Hebrews and really jumping into the Hebrew language and really what did it mean back then if you were a Jew to hear Jesus say, follow me. What did it really mean to be a disciple at that time in the first century? So I started doing all this research and all this study, and I was just enamored by the things that I've been missing and not understanding and things that are out of context and things that you just didn't understand because, well, we wasn't there 2,000 years ago, right? And probably most of us watching today don't have a Jewish custom, Jewish background. We're Gentiles. Now, maybe you are. If you are, man, thank you so much for tuning in and being part of what God's doing at Emmanuel Baptist and Better Life Church. Maybe that is you. But for me, that wasn't. We have the history, we have commentaries, we have documents, but we don't have the Jewish culture. And we cannot take out the Jewishness of the Bible about a Jesus because he was a Jew. So what did it mean to them and how would they have heard that? And then how do we apply it to our lives today? This is a journey that I went on back in 2018. So I began to study and study and study. What's the way of Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What would Peter and Andrew and John and, and, and all the disciples, when Jesus says, follow me, what would, what would have went through in their mind? What would resonated with them? What would they have said, this is what it truly means to follow Jesus? Not just show up on Sunday, drop a 20 in a bucket, do your five-minute Devo, like, okay, or serve the community. What did it really truly look like to follow Jesus, to be a disciple? I'm not talking about being a Christian. You become a Christian by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. That he got up out of the grave. And because he lived, if you put your faith and trust in him, he will forgive you of all your sins. That's how you become a Christian. But Jesus makes discipleship a choice. If you want to follow me, it's a condition. So how, how do we do that? Because I'm under the impression that the church is full of Christians, but very handful of churches have disciples. How do you, how do, you do that? How do you actually, tangibly, actually follow after you? Again, this is just the introduction. We got to come in the weeks to come to really be part of me unpacking in my journey and what the Lord has been teaching me in my own life. And so when we come to this, I, I've, I've shared this before, and so I know a lot of you are joining with us at Emmanuel Baptist, and uh, I didn't get to share this with you probably in the past. So I want to just share some, just a real quick up, you know, uh, context to bring you up to speed going back to the first century. First, we go there. And to bring it today, how does it look like for us today? Now, back then, if you were a little boy, a little girl, and you were five years old, you began to go to school that you begin to learn, you know, especially if you're a little boy, you begin to learn the first five books of the Bible. The ladies really focused in on Psalms a lot of times. And, and at the age of 12, at this point, the girls at this point went on and prepared themselves for marriage. By the age of 13, they were normally married. If you're age of 12 and you was a guy, you'd either, one, going to be an apprentice 
under your family a trade, whether it's a carpenter, a fisherman, or whatever it may be, a trade. You became a princess because you're a teenager now for them. But if you were really smart and you really found your way in the text and it just came natural to you, you moved on to the next school. You moved on to the next level. Well, you then would begin to memorize the, the prophets all the way up to the age of 16. So let me just put this in context. All the first century little boys and girls, so you know this, from the age 12 and under, they knew the Torah. They knew the first five books of the Bible backwards and forwards. In fact, they memorized them. Is that not amazing? So I want you to know when Jesus is talking to people in the community, as a kid, they were taught God's word. Now, at the age of 12, if you didn't have it or you chose not to do it, you didn't go to the next level. You went out and became a fisherman in trade. You got married. Uh, you had kids. You, you go on and do those things. But the ones you wanted to pursue to be like a teacher to the, not, to the Harvard level continued to go to the age of 16. At the age of 16, you were trained by these rabbis in the way of the teaching of the rabbis, and you were trained all these ways to understand and handle God's word and to communicate God's word and interpret God's word. And so you would seek out a rabbi at that time who would take you as a pupil, as an apprentice, to teach you the ways, his ways, but the ways of God. We call this series The Way of Jesus. And so what would happen, you would go to a rabbi and you would say, or teacher, or master, can I follow you? Well, the rabbi then would interview you. He would see if you had the, the, the passion, the zeal, the tenacity, the, the knowledge of God's word. And could you handle God's word away before he decided to pour his whole life into you? Majority of them did not have what it takes and did not make it to that level. But if you were lucky enough... The rabbi would say, you know what, I think you have what it takes. I want you to come now, and I want you to be my disciple. And for the next, probably at age of 16, they're probably looking, and for the next 15 years to age 30, you mimic, you were trained, you were taught. Everything your rabbi did, you did. Everywhere he goes, you would go. Everything he said, you would say. Everything he tried, you would try. You absolutely mimicked every single step, not because you wanted to know what he knows. You wanted to be what he was and what he has become. Well, at the age of 30, if you made it that far and you, you stuck with it at the age of 30, guess what? You are now a rabbi. And because you are now, you could go make Talmudines. You could go make disciples on your own. Now, you could have people or a disciple or people that you can now pour into them. Isn't it fascinating that Jesus begins his ministry at age 30? Why? Because he followed the exact system. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. Yes, Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. However, in the context of the first century, they saw Him as master, teacher, and rabbi first. This great teacher, this great leader, this great communicator, one with authority, they saw Him as rabbi. All the way through the Scripture, all the way through the Gospels, we see them, hey, teacher, hey, master, hey, rabbi. They're interchangeable. That's what they would call Him. Then all of a sudden, Jesus begins His ministry at age 30. And guess what he begins to do? He flips the script. Instead of people coming to him and saying, can I follow you and all this stuff? And there were some people who did that on down the journey. You know what Jesus did? He began to go to people and call them and say, will you follow me? You follow me. Why would he do this? Here now is a rabbi calling his people. And guess who he's picking? He's picking teenage boys who are rabbi rejects, who did not have what it takes. To get to the next level, maybe uneducated, unschooled, as the Pharisees would say. And he goes up to tax collectors who were shunned by the community and says, Matthew, follow me. 
He goes up to fishermen, follow me. He goes up to people in trade and say, hey, follow me. And all of a sudden he picks his disciples, 12, 11 from Galilee, one from Judea area. And we'll let you figure out which one was that who went sideways and south. We learned a little bit about him right last week. And he picked these teenage boys to literally change the world. And because of those 11 boys who studied Jesus, the master, the Lord, the teacher, the rabbi, the son of God, the king of kings, the Messiah, the gospel has come to me and you today because of these 11 disciples. Are we truly following Jesus? And it's with just one, just one. I just want to pick out one. And I'm going to take a few snapshots of his life because I have one point I want to share with you because this is the one, and honestly, this is the one that's really been resonate with me, that stuck with me, that on this last 13-year journey that I've been on and what it really truly means to follow Jesus and saying the things, I can't follow Jesus, I'm not good enough to follow Jesus, I have insecurity, I doubt, I lack the faith, I lack the discipline, I lack the tenacity, I lack all there needs to be to be a true disciple of Jesus. I find a very significant comfort and point and hope in the Apostle Peter. And what I want to do is I'm going to look at a couple snapshots of his journey with Jesus, his walk with Jesus as he went the way of Jesus. And I want to share with you what the Lord's really pressed in my heart that's really just begin to do a work in me. And I'm going to pray and hope that it begins to do a work in you. So we pick up with the story in Luke chapter 5. And in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee and he begins to preach. The crowd begins to get so large that they begin to push him back into the water. Jesus sees Peter there in a boat, and he goes up to him, and he gets into Peter's boat, and he says, push a little ways off from the side, and let me begin to teach. He begins to teach, and begins to share, and he begins to, to all honestly wow people, because they never heard a rabbi teach like this with one with authority. And all of a sudden, when it's all over, people begin to lead. He says, he says Peter, get out a little bit out into the, the water, okay? And he goes out to the deep. Now, here's what I want you to do, Peter. I want you to let your nets down. And I want you to just trust me and let your nets down. And he's like, I've been cleaning my nets all night. I've been fishing all night. Listen, you don't catch fish in the middle of the day. You kept them in the shallow, not in the deeps. Come on, man, I just finished cleaning my nets. But because you're the rabbi, he says this, because you're the teacher, you're the Lord, you're the master, I will do what you asked me to do. If you read the story in Luke chapter 5, he catches the net, throws the net over. He catches such a large group of fish that his friends and people come over with their boats, try to help them to catch it. And all of a sudden, Peter says something. He says, get away from me, for I am not worthy. I am a sinner. I do not need to be around you because I am dirty. I'm rotten. I am not no good. I am not good enough to be in your presence. That's exactly what Peter says. Because Jesus performed a miracle. He says, Rabbi, I am not worthy even to be in your presence because I am such a sinner. Please get away from me. Have you ever felt like that before? That Jesus is like just so good. He's the son of God. He's sinless. He's perfect. And that when you blow it, that you're not even worthy to be in his presence. That you don't even worthy to be called his disciple. You're not even worthy to, be, to even be next to him because you're like, Jesus, you're just so good and I've just blown it. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have looked at that. I shouldn't have tried that. I shouldn't have smoked that again. I shouldn't have did that again. I shouldn't have stuck that again. Whatever it may be for you. Ever felt that way? I know I have. It kind of resonates with me. Now I want you to hear what Jesus says to Peter. This is the calling of Peter. In fact, one of the gospels writers says that Jesus walked by and said, follow me, and they just left everything and follow him. Luke gives us the details of what happened in that story. And here's what happened in verse 10, Luke 5, verse 10. Jesus said to Simon, this is to Peter, do not be afraid. 
You see, I want you to please, please notice that. He sees his heart. He sees his emotion. He sees his insecurity. I am not good enough. I'm afraid to be in your presence. He sees his heart. He says, do not be afraid. For now on, you'll be catching people, right? You've read this. If you've been around church, you've seen it on every bumper. So we are fishers of men, right? What does that mean? What do you mean I'll be catching people? I'm going to take a net around. I'm just going to throw a net around people and catch them and reel them in. That's kind of funny, right? I've never seen that. If you've got a meme, make that meme. That would be funny, right? I mean, is that what it means to catch people with nets? I don't get this. What do you mean catching people? And look at verse 11. So when they had brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and they followed Jesus. They became his disciple and they left it all they sacrificed it all Peter think about this family business very successful he's a fisherman went to, at age 12 now nah, you going to school I'm going on to the trade I become a fisherman I believe I would I would I suggest that Peter's is the oldest of the disciples and he says you know what I'm gonna leave it all forsake it all to follow this rabbi, to follow this teacher, to follow this man. They didn't know he was Lord yet. They didn't believe he was the son of God yet. But you know what? I want to be like him. And they left it all. Now, I know what somebody's saying. Would you have done that? Like if Jesus came to you, would you have done that? Think about this. Think about you're a teenage boy real quick. And you're saying, I'm a girl. So, okay, if you're a girl, think of another analogy. But think you're a teenage boy and you're at the basketball court outside at the park and everybody's watching, everybody's around and you got a little bit of skills and you're playing some ball and you're like, you're a little bit on fire that day. And next thing you know, you look over and there's MJ. You know what I'm talking about? Michael Jordan sitting right there. I, at, right in the stands watching you play basketball. So you're like, oh, snap, Mike's here. So you grab a Gatorade bottle, take a swig, and all of a sudden you take it to the next level, right? You start doing a little bit of street ball, start showing off, and all of a sudden. Imagine Michael Jordan, after you got done playing, comes up to you and says, kid, man, I tell you what, I tell you what, man, I think you have what it takes to get to the next level. In fact, I think you have what it takes to be like me, to be like Mike. So here's what I want you to do. If you will come and stay with me, I will train you, I will equip you, and I will help you become just like me. What teenage boy wouldn't do that? See, that's what Peter saw. Here's MJ. He's the goat. He's the man. This is it. This is the master, this is the teacher, this is the rabbi, and I, he believes that I could become like him. And he asked me to follow him. See, put yourself in the context. And he leaves everything, and he follows after Jesus. Here's another snapshot of Peter. I'm gonna stick with him. Hang tight, John chapter 21, we're coming. Jesus just did all this crazy stuff, ministering to people, puts the discipleship, disciples in a boat, and he sends them across the sea. He goes up on the mountain, begins to pray. And all of a sudden, here comes a storm and a wave, and he says, okay, it's about 3 o'clock in the morning. He's going to head, and he's going to walk across the water. And I, this is fascinating. I love this because one of the gospel writers lets us know that his intention was to walk right past them. He was like walking past them. He wasn't even walking, getting in a boat with them. He's just going, all right, kids, I'm just going to walk on past you and go to the next side. But when they saw them, they thought it was a ghost. Now, why do you think it was a ghost? Well, because the Jews believed that the body of the water was the abyss, and in the abyss was dead things, were dead people. And so when they looked over and they saw something walking, a person walking on water, they know Peter's been around his whole life, around water, around fishing. He knows you just don't walk in water. So for someone to walk on water, they must be a ghost. So a ghost has come out of the abyss and now walked on the water. So as they're walking past him, they realize it's a ghost. Jesus says, it's not, it's me. 
I am. It's me. Don't be afraid. Peter says, if it's you, then tell me to get out of the boat, and I will come to you. If it's you, tell me. And I want you to hear what happens, because he gets out of the boat in verse 30, Matthew 14, verse 30. But when he saw the strong wind, he became afraid. Peter's always afraid. Did you ever notice that? Seems like he's always afraid. Can you resonate with that? He becomes afraid, and he starts to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. Now picture this. Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come out in the water. Why does Peter want to go out in the water? Has anybody ever asked that question, Bible students? Why? Come on, why would he want to do that? And so saying, uh, there's storms and waves. Hey, Jesus, hurry, get in the boat, get in the boat. Why would Peter want to go on water? To show off in front of his friends? Nope. To Peter say, ha, I walked on water? Absolutely not. Put yourself in the first century. As a Talmudian, as a disciple, I want to do, be, and become everything and go everywhere that my master, my teacher, my rabbi does. And if he can do it, I want to be with him. Call me and I will come to you if it is you. Why did he do it? Because his mindset was, I want to become like my teacher. And I want to be with my teacher. Not just to show off, not to make a point. It's in him. It's the custom. Where my rabbi is, that's where I am. Where my teacher is, that's where I go. He called me. He chose me. He picked me. Remember this? Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Now follow me. He gets out. He's afraid. And he begins to sink. And he says, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Here's my question. What did Peter doubt? For times and times and times when I preached this passage, I said Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and because he doubted Jesus, he didn't have enough faith in Jesus, he sunk. I want to suggest you another thought there. I think I'm changing a position on that teaching in light of what I've been learning. If you notice, he says, Jesus saves me. So he believed that Jesus can save him or he wouldn't cry out, Jesus save me. So he didn't doubt that Jesus could save him. Jesus also was standing up on the water. He's not sinking. So I'm not doubting that Jesus is not sinking. Now, if they both were sinking, well, that's another story. Jesus wasn't even sinking. So am I doubting in his power? He's still standing on the water. I still believe he could save me or I wouldn't cry out to him. Who was Peter doubting? Here's what I'd like to suggest to you. I believe Peter was doubting himself to become what his master and teacher asked him to become when he said, follow me. For the teacher to ask you to follow them means this, I believe you can become like me. You could become like me. And what I like to suggest to you is that Peter doubted himself to become like Jesus, to be like Jesus. Have you ever done that before in your own life? God, I'm not good enough to pastor church. I'm not good enough to be a communicator. I'm not good enough to be a leader. Look at me. Woe is me. Look at my sins. Look where I blow it. Look where I mess up. Look at where I don't like discipline in my life. Look where I like passion in my life. Lord, get away. I'm just too big of a sinner. I'm not worthy to be in the position you've called me to be in. But he called me because he believed that I could become like him. I've doubted and I believe 
That's exactly what Peter is doing here. I'm doubting that I could become what you believe that I could become. And I lost faith. Now begin to sink. Fast forward to another snapshot real quick in Matthew 16. Jesus is standing there and he says, who, who do people say that I am? Some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say one of the good prophet. Peter says, you are the Christ. And this is the first time I want you to see this in verse 16. Simon Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord, the Son of the living God. Jesus is blown away. Jesus answers, says, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven placed that thought in your mind. Don't miss that. God placed the thought in your mind, and on your own declaration, you have been following me, you have been failing, but I picked you back up. You have been learning from me. But finally, guess what? My father has revealed to you that I am the Messiah, that I am the Lord. See, they just thought he was a good rabbi teacher back here, and they wanted to be like him. Now Peter realizes for the time in his life, you are the son of God. And he says, I tell you, Peter, on this rock, it's so funny because in Hebrew that means rocky. He says, I tell you, rocky, on this rock, I wish I had so much time to go into this, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpair it. I, I, oh, I could do, amazing, I just I have a, I, so much I want to share about that passage, but I don't have really time to do that. But here's what Jesus is saying. Way to go, Peter. He's cheering him on. Way to go, Peter. You're getting it. Way to go, boy. That's right. Way to go, Talmudim. Way to be my disciple. Way to understand that. Way to go. And he's cheering him on. And now fast forward to the night, the Passover. Jesus says, listen, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be trialed. Here's what's going to take place. And he quotes, the sheep are scattered. And what does Peter say? What does Peter say? Peter says this, Matthew 26, verse 33. Peter said, if they all fall away, talking about the disciples, I will never fall away. I will never stop following you. I will never, ever, ever walk away from my master, from my teacher, because you have poured your life into me for the last three years. You believe that I could become like you. I will not leave you. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, on this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter says, even if I must die with you, I will never deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Jesus is handed over. He's betrayed by Judas. He's now on trial. This is all introduction. The sermon's coming in just a minute. Hang tight. He's on trial. And I want you to listen to what happens. Please go back. Peter, five-year-old little boy, learning the Torah. At age 12, decides I'm going to the family business. On the scene comes this amazing rabbi with authority, master teacher. The master teacher uses his boat as a pulpit, performs a miracle, and then asks you to follow him, for you to become his disciple, for you to become like him. You agreed, you walk away from the finances, you walk away from the family business, you walk away from the nets, you walk away from being comfortable, you walked away from everything you know is your way of life to follow this one who you're going to try to emulate, who you're going to mimic, who you're going to become. 
Even to the point where he was on water, you try to mimic him and go out and be like him. Why? Because that's the mindset. That's what a disciple does. You even had the epiphany. Oh my goodness, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You made it with zeal and passion that this Elijah in your heart going, I will die with you and I will never deny you. And then we get to this tragic verse in Matthew 26, verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside the courtyard. A slave girl came to him and said, you were also with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it in front of them all. I don't know what you're talking about. And when he went out the gateway, another little slave girl said to him, said to the people, this man was with Jesus, the Nazarene, and he denied it again, and he swears with an oath. He takes an oath. He swears. He knows not to do that, but he does. I don't know this man. After a little while, those standing there came up to Peter and said, you are one of them too. Even your accent that you have from Galilee gives you away. And at that, he began to curse and swore with an oath. Now, the, the context here is very light, but he actually calls one of the strongest curses that you could ever say this time on himself. Like he, he really curses himself and he swears. And at that moment, the roaster crowed. And then Peter remembered what Jesus had said before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times, and went outside and wept bitterly. One gospel writer says at the very moment Jesus turned and he looked and he caught Peter in his eyes. And then Peter left and he wept bitterly. Have you ever found yourself like Peter? I have. One moment I'm believing Jesus Christ through the Lord, the next moment I'm denying one moment, I feel like I'm on top of let's build tabernacles. Let's stay here on this mountain and let's be in your Shekinah glory. Let's just camp right here. And the next moment, go, man, I blow it. I screw up. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have acted like that. Have you felt yourself that for I'm not good enough to follow Jesus? I'm not good enough to be like Jesus. I'm not good enough to be called what I'm called. Have you ever been there before? I know I have. That seems to be in my journey. And we know the story, right? Jesus is tried and then he's crucified. We, and then on Sunday, he gets up out of the grave. That's what we celebrated last week, right? That's why we rejoice. Because he lives, we can live. And it's a great, unbelievable moment in the history that's changed the world last weekend. And you know the story, Mary, and they went to there and they saw the tomb was rolled away and they went back in John 20. And they went back and guess what takes place? She tells Peter and John, and then all of a sudden, Peter and John runs to the tomb to see that it's empty. I love what John says. John, he's a savage, man. He's crazy. John's a savage. I love it. John, because he's writing John, he, he refers to him one, the, one that Jesus loves, which is another savage moment right there. And he says, the one whom Jesus loved outran Peter. So he wants everybody to know and all the writers to know that he beat Peter there, that he outran Peter, that he was faster than Peter. It's, I think it's fascinating. You could go read it for yourself. But he says he outruns Peter. Peter finally gets there and he goes in and he sees that it's empty. But Mary, she stays there. And she has this conversation. She doesn't recognize Jesus. And then she recognizes Jesus. And I want you to see what she says in John 20, verse 16. This is very, very important. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and she said in Aramaic, Rabboni! Or Rabboni, do you see this? Don't miss this. They still saw him as the master, as the teacher, as the one to mimic. And she literally says, my teacher. Yes, he is the Messiah. Yes, he's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. And he is the Son of God. But to them, he also was their teacher. 
the one they want to emulate and to become like. See, we think that God just saved us. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I don't have to go to hell now. I get to spend eternity with you. But just because you're a Christian, you've got to ask yourself, are you following Jesus? Are you truly a disciple? And can you be either or? Am I truly following? Is he still your teacher, your master? Yes, he's your king, and yes, he's your Lord, and yes, he's your Savior. Praise the Lord for that. But is he your master of every way of your life as we learn the way of Jesus? And then in John 21, I told you to go there. I want you to, I want you to picture this. In John 21, Peter says, I'm going fishing. Now, why would Peter go fishing? Up to this point, Jesus had appeared to the disciples two times. That works, that's recorded in God's word up to this point that we know of. That Jesus appeared to all the disciples, to Peter, twice. So I want you to think if you're Peter, I've seen the risen Lord twice. But in John 21, he says, let's go fishing. And Peter reverts back to his trade. Now, why do you think Peter did this? Let me tell you why I think this. Because I believe Peter thought he disqualified himself. You never, ever as a disciple rebuke or deny your rabbi, your teacher, your master. And for Peter, in his mind, I have been disqualified. I will never be like Jesus, become like Jesus. I saw his eyes that night when I denied him three times. So I'm going to go to what's familiar to me. I'm going to pick back up where I left off. John 21, let's go fishing. And the first, this just came to my mind, the first sermon that I preached that God gave me was this sermon in John chapter 21. And that was 20 years ago. But 20 years have passed. And in light of what I preached then, I see it a whole lot different now. I wish I would have understood it then, the way that I see it and understand it now. Jesus walks on the shore and Peter's out there fishing. He appears now. This is the third time he appears to the disciples. And he says, hey, children, have you caught anything yet? They're about 100 yards offshore. And they said, No. He says, well, try it on the other side of the boat. This is fascinating. I don't know why in the world they did it. They didn't know it was Jesus. They threw his nets on the other side of the boat, and they caught such a large fish. John turns around and says, I believe it's the teacher. It's the Lord. It's the master. Peter, without hesitation, dives into the water, swims 100 yards, all the way to Jesus. Why? Because where my teacher is, where my master is, is where I want to be. If he's walking on water, call me out. I want to be with him. Is he on the shore? I'll swim to him. 
I wonder if we have that boldness and tenacity to really want to be with Jesus. That we really want to follow Jesus? Are we willing to sacrifice and walk away from everything to really truly follow Jesus? Are we willing to do the impossible and say, call me out, I'll come? Jump in in the depths and swim? You see, in the context now, when you understand the context, wherever Jesus is, the disciple wanted to be. So he jumps into the water, he swims. When he gets there, Jesus already has fish and chips serving and the disciples come in and pull in the fish. And then Jesus pulls Peter to the side. And I want you to hear what he says. In John chapter 21, verse 15, then when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, obviously, Jesus went talking about, do you love me more than Andrew? Do you love me more than Philip? Do you love me more than the other disciples? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, do you love me more than these nets? You see, you went back to your way of living. You went back to fishing. But do you love me more than these? What you left in Luke chapter 5 to follow me. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus said the second time, son, son of John, do you love me? He replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, then shepherd my sheep. Jesus said the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed that Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then Jesus replied, feed my sheep. Now, when I preached this 20 years ago, I I made the comment that Peter denied Jesus three times, and so he needed to repent three times. And the reason why Jesus asked him three times, do you love me, is to make up for the times that he denied him three times. Maybe. But I want you now to see the context. Who is the shepherd? Jesus. Who feeds the sheep? Jesus. Who takes care of the lambs? Jesus. And you know what Jesus tells Peter? You go be the shepherd. You go feed my sheep. You go and tend my lambs. Peter, you go and be me. Peter, you become like me. You started out being like me. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean To be a disciple, it means to be like him. And he says to me, Daniel, go and feed my sheep. Be like me. Go and tend my lambs. Be like me. 
Go and take care of my sheep. Be like me. And listen, he says the same thing to you. He has called you to go and feed his sheep, to go and be his shepherd, and to shepherd the people at work, at home, in the locker room, at school, at college, in your dorm room, wherever you go. You see, he has called you to be like him. Following Jesus is becoming like Jesus. The way of Jesus is tough. We'll look at that as the time goes of the weeks. But what is he saying Jesus to Peter? You can be like me. And every time I fail, and every time I think I'm not worthy, and every time I don't deserve to stand up and communicate and preach his word, and every time I sin, and every time I fall short, and every time I doubt, and every time that I'm anxious, and every time that I'm afraid, and every time that I'm scared, and every time that I think I'm not worthy to be like him. He says, if I didn't think you could be like me, I wouldn't have called you. Remember, Daniel, you did not choose me. But I chose you. And he says the same thing to you in John 15. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And if I've called you, I've empowered you to become like me. So don't let the devil lie to you anymore thinking you can't follow Jesus, you can't become like Jesus, and you can't be like Jesus. Because he would not have called you if he did not first empower you to do it. And after 13 years on this journey, the peace that I've had where I fall and I mess up and I make mistakes and I sink when I try to walk on water and I doubt and I deny him when I shouldn't deny him. He looks at me with those blazing eyes and he says, do you love me? Come on, get up. You can be like me. In fact, he said, you will do greater things than I've done. Why? Because I will send the Holy Spirit to empower you to be like me. And Jesus says in verse 18, he says, I tell you the solemn truth. When you were young, you tied your clothes around you and you went wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will tie you up and bring you where you do not want to go. Jesus said these things to indicate clearly the death that Peter was going to glorify God. Eusebius cites, as he quotes Clement Alexandra, he said that when Peter was crucified, because that's what Jesus says, you're gonna be crucified in the same way your teacher was crucified. Your master, your Lord, your rabbi. Clement Alexander says that before Peter was crucified, that he was forced to watch his wife be crucified. I want you to think about that. You're tied up and you're about to be crucified, but before you are crucified, you're going to watch your wife be crucified. Now, if, if following Jesus was a joke, don't you think at that point you could say, Stop, I was just joking. We stole the body. We hid Jesus. He's over here. If you untie me, I'll take you and show you how we fabricated all this. 
but please don't kill my wife. You know what Clement Alexander said that Peter said? He looked at his wife, and as she was being led to be crucified, he looked at his wife, and he said, remember the Lord. And then it came time for Peter to be crucified. He says, I am not worthy to be crucified in the way that my Lord was crucified. And he says, turn my cross upside down. And Peter, history tells us, was crucified upside down. Are we really following Jesus, church? We complain when it rains that we can't drive the church. We complain serving for two hours on Sunday morning. We complain when God says, trust me with the tithe and bring 10% to the storehouse. We complain when things don't go our way. Someone said something about us. Why well, didn't get picked to do that? Are we really following Jesus? Or we just want to get out of hell free card. Thank you that I'm a Christian. But there's a difference of being a Christian than being a disciple. It's a choice to choose to follow Jesus, to follow the way of Jesus. And I believe that we, as the Big C Church, are getting and projecting and communicating the gospel where people are being saved, but what are we doing about really discipling? How do you do that? How do you help in those ways? And then I want you to hear what he says in John 21, verse 19. Jesus told Peter, look what he says. Follow me. He begins with this little boy from Galilee. You can become like me. You can become like me. Follow me. Trust me. He ends it with, you can be like me. Feed my sheep. Feed my shepherd. I mean, feed the lambs. Tend the sheep. You could be like me. So watch this. Peter, let me help you again. Follow me. Follow me. And we know what takes place, don't we? Peter goes and he preaches. And 3,000 people were saved and baptized just a few weeks later. Little slave girl, he denies Jesus. But now he stands up in front of the people who crucified Jesus. Calls them a few names. And he preaches the gospel and 3,000 people are saved about. What's the difference between the little slave girl questioning him and a few days later he's standing up preaching? Let me tell you why. He saw Jesus. But Jesus assured him, you can become like me. Now I want you to hear as we close what the religious people and what the people said about Peter and John. Acts 4.13. When they saw their boldness, of Peter and John and discovered they were just uneducated, ordinary men from Galilee who did not go past age 12 to learn about the prophets. Put in context. They're not school like master teachers and rabbis and of the Torah. They're uneducated, ordinary. Folks, I relate so much with this. But they were amazed and recognized that these men had been with Jesus. Why? Because they were acting like Jesus. Here's my point. You could be like Jesus. You could follow Jesus. 
It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter the sins that you've blown it and messed up in your life. It doesn't matter the highs and the lows. He looks at you and says, you did not choose me. I chose you because I believe that you can become like me. And if we're going to go the way of Jesus, we got to dive in and start asking ourselves, what does it truly mean to follow Jesus, to become like Jesus? And the last point and question I want to ask you, when people see you, can they say there's no doubt you have been with Jesus? When you go back to work, can they say, wow, you've been with Jesus? Can when you step into the locker room, can they say, wow, you've been with Jesus? When you go back to your family fixings and you go out, hang back with your family after the quarantine and stuff's over, can they look at you and say, wow, something's different. You have been with Jesus. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come. I'm gonna ask if you would, if you would just bow your head just for a moment. I want to thank you, Emmanuel Baptist, for allowing me to speak into your life this morning. Thank you for tuning in and being part of this. Whether you're at home or whether you're watching this later online, it doesn't matter. Would you just take a moment and to reflect and ask yourself, one, do you know Jesus? I don't mean do you know about him, I mean do you know him? Like you've surrendered your life and you've given your life to Jesus. And if you have it right now, the master, the teacher, the king of kings, the Lord of lords wants to, to call you by name and wants you to surrender your life to him. You're not listening to this or watching this by accident. But you don't know what I've said, pastor. You don't know what I've done, where I've come from. It doesn't matter. Today, Jesus wants to forgive you. Today, Jesus wants to deliver you. And today, Jesus wants you to become like him. All you have to do is surrender. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. Will you confess that right now where you sit? Would you just say in your heart, I believe that Jesus is the Lord. I believe he came for me and he died for me and he got up out of the grave for me. And then in your heart right now, will you confess, Jesus, I have sinned. Forgive me of my sin. Now help me follow you for the rest of my life. See, I believe that if you called upon the name of the Lord, you were saved because the scripture says it. The text says that you would be saved. And if that's you, please let us know. There's a way that we want to follow up and just pray with you. You can email me personally, pastor at betterlife.church. Email me so I can know and I'll pray for you. And then my second invitation is for those of us who claim to be believers. Ask yourself, am I truly following Jesus? Am I truly following the way of Jesus? And if I'm not, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? What steps do I need to take? We'll be talking about those in the weeks to come. But hopefully the Lord has stirred the affection for you to consider the cost of truly following Jesus and to be able to fully surrender. Even though you blow it, even though you mess up, 
even though you make mistakes. Fully surrender to the Spirit to sanctify you, to do a work in you, so that you become more and more and more like Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the text. Thank you for the call. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for Peter to allow us to know ordinary, unschooled, uneducated, honestly, a rabbi reject who you chose who you picked, who you picked back up, who you forgave, who you've empowered to become like you. And in the same way, God, you chose us, you picked us, you've forgiven us, you cleanse us, you pick back up us. We cast our doubt, our cares, our anxiety, our situation, our sin, our mistakes, our failures, and you still love us. You still empower us. You still commission us. You still send us. And you still ask us. To follow you and to become like you. So I pray that this series, Lord, will empower us as we learn, as we study, as we dive in the way of Jesus. For it's in his name we ask and we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that message, Pastor Daniel. Thank you so much for tuning in to Home Church at Better Life. If that was you and you prayed that prayer of salvation, we are so excited. Please let us know by clicking on the button or by going to betterlife.church slash next steps and letting us know there. We would love to connect with you. And then we have some resources that we would like to send your way to help jumpstart your journey with Jesus. We are so excited about that. Also, if you would like to give, you can go to betterlife.church slash give now, and you can take that next step of giving there. We are so excited that you joined with us, and we can't wait to do it again next week. We'll see you back here next week on Home Church with Better Life.